Have you always wanted to become the king of your backyard or compete in the pro circuit, but don't know where to start? Fire up your pit and join me, barbecue fanatic and newbie competitor on the pro circuit, as I share tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques. Plus, I'll share some of our sauce and rub recipes all in under 30 minutes so you can start taking action on your barbecue dreams. I'm excited to have you join us as I adventure unafraid into the world of competitive barbecue. My name is Kurt, and this is Barbecue for Newbies. Welcome in, folks, to the Barbecue for Newbies podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Mueller, and joined today by the pitmaster from Hold Your Horses Barbecue, Mr. Kerry Chastain. He is out of Griffin, Georgia. He's actually coming to us from the road, headed up to Sevierville, Tennessee. Kerry, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Doing great. How about you? Fantastic. I'm actually, if you can imagine, I'm barbecuing today for a campaign event that I'm having later tonight. So it never stops. So for our listeners, I actually was fortunate to get connected. We finally met in person last weekend at the Boss Hog Cook-Off down in Waynesboro, Georgia. And Carrie's been competing for a number of years. How long have you been competing, Carrie? I started in 2013 or 14 with just doing one contest a year for a local contest at home. And it was a GBA. And then 16, I started, I think I cooked eight. And by 17, I think we cooked 28. And it's just gone from there. Last year, I cooked 45. 45. So almost every weekend. Well, out of that 45, I think 12 of those were doubles. So that Damn. helps. <laughs> It helps. That's right. That's exactly right. So you say we, who else is on the team with you? Well, I'm basically by myself most of the time. Uh, when I started, my nephew cooked with me a lot. And then some weekends, I'm blessed to have my wife be able to travel with me. But like this weekend, she's pursuing her own endeavors, showing quarter horses this week. So she's gone to Conyers, Georgia, to the International Horse Park to show. So it's just me and my dog, Kenny, who's in the back seat, passed out. I love it. Carrie is, is living the dream, as they say. I, I aspire to do what he does in retirement, is just travel the country and <laughs> and cook barbecue in, in a parking lot. That's awesome. So first thing I always like to dive into and chat about is, the, you know, the journey into competitive barbecue, because I'm always interested to hear everybody's got a different journey, right? Um, and it's very interesting to hear how how we all got into this obsession, this hobby, whatever you want to call it, right? So how was how did you get into it? What was your journey like into competition barbecue? Well, I grew up cooking a lot of barbecue with my dad. Every September, we would cook a whole hog for a big neighborhood to get together. And then we always took shoulders for selling barbecue for the local saddle club for the fundraisers. Then by the time I was 15, I was working for a barbecue restaurant and run the pit by the time I was 16. And so that's kind of where my background came from. And I grew up out in the country working in a butcher shop. Mondays and Tuesdays, we butchered hogs and cattle. And Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we cut meat and processed. I don't know, back in 14, I guess it was, my nephew taught me into going and cooking our local contest, which was a GBA event. And we finished very mid-pack and went back and did it again the next year and we're a little better than mid-pack and the next year I decided if we're going to do this we're either going to get better or quit so I went to a couple of classes and we came back to Griffin again and that time we got seventh in brisket which in GBA that was ancillary and I beat Robbie because he got 10th <laughs> and that was kind of the start 
Milledgeville, which used to be the state championship, was two weeks later, and that was only about an hour from the house. So I signed up to go, and lo and behold, we got our first finals call in pork, and we, I was so excited. We got in our pork call. We finished second, and I'm sitting there with Facebook trying to post my picture of my five-foot trophy and my $600 check, and Robbie taps me on my shoulder and says, you going to go up and get your fourth-place call in ribs? And I never even heard him. And uh, walking back from awards that day, Brian Mizraki with Bull Rush was on his way to the Royal for a practice cook, wraps his arm around me walking back to the trailer and says, well, we got you reeled in hook, line, and sinker, and there's never been any truer words. And a few weeks later, I ordered my first barbecue trailer been cooking ever since and last year i sold my business and retired and that's all i've done since is cook barbecue that's awesome so basically you you've been doing it your whole life is kind of your your journey into it and very similar to my journey into it and very similar to you know a lot of other guests that we have on the show it seems like it's it's one of those things that starts out as a as a hobby when they're young and then it grows into a passion and then you know oh very much so and I'm sure you, and you know, you know, good and well about the, the barbecue family that's out there, which is a pretty close knit group of folks, great people to, to hang around. So I think the best part of that story is that you just said to heck with it. Let's jump in with both feet and let's do this thing. Yeah. I mean, I never, I've never cooked a backyard event, cooked pro from the word go. And, you know, every year I always take a class or two and because you, you never stop learning and, you know, we all started A and we all end up at Z, but there's a million ways in between to get there. That's a great point. And I think for those that are wanting to get into competitive barbecue, you know, looking at the backyard or the pro division, I think what, what Carrie just said is is gold. And that is just just go all in, go pro from the word go, I think is what he said. And that, that's what we did. And you're going to stumble, you're going to make mistakes, but I think you learn a lot from that, you know, over the long term. No doubt you do. And and the thing of it is you always want to compete against the best you can because otherwise you're never going to learn. Uh, if you're the small fish in a, I mean, if you're the big fish in a small pond, you're never going to grow. That's my philosophy with it. It's always been that way when we showed horses. You always wanted to show against the toughest competition you could find because that was the only way to improve, improve yourself. That's exactly right. Now, Forget about competition for a second. Let's just talk about in general. What's your favorite cut of meat to cook? Hands down, brisket. Why is that? I'm so, curious. Second would be tri-tip. I just love eating brisket for one thing. And it doesn't <laughs> hurt that I'm good at it. <laughs> That's a good point. If you're cooking it at the house, what, what kind of brisket are you making? Are you doing it the hot and fast method? Are you separating it? Are you cooking the whole packer? I mean, what, what are you doing at the house? At the house, I'm still going to separate. Okay. Uh, just for the simple fact, they're two different muscles and they cook differently. Right. Uh, and I really love a great burn in. And I mean, you can cook them whole and that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm still going to separate them. Right. And now are you, are you a believer in the hot and fast or are you more of the low and slow kind of guy? No, I, I'm a convert to the hot and fast anymore. You know, it, it started out when I first started competing. I was low and slow, and my problem with that was I'd come in from work on Thursday and try to pack up and go to a contest and get there on Friday and hadn't had any sleep and then prep all my meat on Friday when I got there and then trying to run the pit all night, and that just didn't work. Eventually, I gravitated over to cooking the more hot and fast, and, you know, when I went to a gravity fed, I found out I could go to sleep and let it cook overnight, 
But then when I went over to hot and fast, I wound up getting the same amount of sleep because I got up at the same time as I would to wrap in the morning to light the fire. And I really like the texture and what it does with the meat hot and fast. It keeps it moisture. So when you say hot and fast, what? give me an idea. What what, what are you running your pit temp at? 325, 350? 300 to 325. Okay. And on brisket, I don't mind starting them at 350 and bringing them down. And bring it down, right. And for our listeners, you know, what typically what you'll find uh, when you hear somebody talk about hot and fast, usually that means above 300 degrees. And if there's if it's low and slow, that's, you know, typically 275, 250 and below. So I can remember when 275 was considered very hot and fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, then if that's the case, what was low and slow? 200, <laughs> 180? 225, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how how barbecue has changed over the years, and you know I, I'm kind of a, a nerd about the history history behind it, and to see the, all these different cookers at a contest, it's it's almost overwhelming. So I'm curious from your side of things, you know, if someone's listening to the show and they're wanting to get into competitive barbecue, what are some questions they need to be asking themselves when they're looking at smokers, right? Because there's so many of them, and you got so many opinions out there. Well, you just got to find something that works for you and learn the pit inside and out and know how to cook on it. If it's running hot, okay, just adjust your timeline to fit that. And the big thing is I don't care what you cook on. You just got to know how to use it. And it doesn't matter what cooker you're using. Just know the cooker because all of them can produce great barbecue. But you got to find something that fits your style and what you're wanting to do. That's right. And and I think sometimes I've, and I've, I've fallen into this trap, you know, you, you start to look at the teams that are doing really well at the upper echelon of competitive barbecue. And, and I've fallen into this trap early on, you know, we've only been doing this for about six, eight months, just trying to emulate, you know, certain teams and thinking to myself, okay, I need to get the same kind of cooker they have. And, you know, I, that, that's what I need to go with. And you can almost get to the point where you're overthinking it and just not cooking yeah, I mean, that's the name of the game. You know, you're cooking to a feel and tenderness, and you've got to cook enough to learn what that is. And it doesn't matter what the cooker is. You can cook on a pellet cooker. You can cook on a drum. You can cook on a reverse floor and offset. But just stick with one and learn what it takes to make great meat on that pit. Right. Sometimes, uh, what do they say? Simplicity is the best way. Yeah, I mean, I follow the kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, my processes are very simple and and then that way it makes them repeatable so I can do that week after week. That's exactly right. No matter where you are. Now, do you, do you, are you going to adjust flavor profiles or timelines based on, let's say things like, you know, the temperature outside, location of where you're cooking? Do you adjust for that or do you stay to the process? I don't adjust my profiles at all. I learned very early on. Darren Worth with Iowa Smoky D's. Uh, I went up to him at Sonny's Invitational in Florida. And at the time, he was cooking coast to coast, north to south, just one king of the smokers in California. And I asked him, I said, how do you adjust your flavors based on where you're at? He says, I don't. He says, good barbecue is good barbecue, and I'm going to beat you with tenderness day in and day out. I cook four or 5,000 pounds of meat a day in the restaurant. He says, it's what I feel in these hands is where I'm going to beat you. And that was great advice for me early on. So, you know, you find a good balanced flavor and you run with it. And until the score sheets tell you otherwise, you don't change it. Uh, I cooked alongside Lee Hickle and Phil Breeden and Bill Purvis a lot last year. And yeah, our flavor profiles from Texas to here were different, but it was all good. 
and and we all scored respectively the same. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a big key too. I think again for those wanting to get into competitive barbecue, you you can fall into the the trap of trying to overthink things, like I've done. Maybe you did too early on in in your journey, uh, Carrie. But I think it's it's to your point. Good barbecue is good barbecue, and don't overthink it. Stick with what you know, and and just continue with the process that you already have in place. Yeah, I mean, you can tweak a few things along the way after four, five, six cooks, and you go back and reflect over your score sheets and something's not working. You can make a few changes there, but if you're making changes every time you go and cook, you're never going to know what worked and what didn't. Mm. So how many competitions for you? I know you mentioned it was a few competitions, and then, you know, you said, hey, I love this stuff. When did you start winning? You know, was it was it a couple years in? Give me an idea of when you started really hitting your stride. Well, I started out in GBA and I would win. I guess I went probably within the first year I started winning some categories, you know, and, and making finals. I was making finals regularly, but I didn't win my first grand until 2019 at the Fire Ant Festival. And then after that, I swapped over to KCBS and I think I won. My first grant in KCBS came at cook number 44 or 45, 44, I think it was. And come to find out that the average in KCBS is the first win comes at number 48. Wow. So you were just, just under the average. Yeah. And then you take, you know, I know somebody else that we respectively know he won in KCBS his very second cook at Boss Hog in Waynesboro. Wow. But he's up pushing 40s now and hasn't had another one. Right. So you just never know. You got to cook your cook and let the uh, dust settle as it may, I guess. So, well, you know, you just got to give yourself opportunities because sometimes you can't control what happens in the tent. That is true. That is very, very true. So when you made that switch from from the GBA to the KCBS, was it because I know you said earlier your favorite meat to cook is brisket. Was that a big part of that decision to say, hey, I want to cook four meats. I want to cook brisket. You know, they always called me the barbecue slut because I'd go cook anything anywhere. You know, I was already cooking FBA, cooking GBA, and then I ventured into KCBS and was doing SCA. And then I got in, also got into doing MBN. So I was cooking four different associations throughout the year just because I wanted to go cook and finding stuff that was fairly close to go cook. And that's what I was doing. Then in 2020, I decided I kind of wanted to dial in on KCBS because I had actually gone down and cooked Moultrie, a GBA event, and I missed my pork turn in because in my brain, I just cooked five or six straight KCBS, which is chicken, ribs, pork, and brisket. Well, GBA is loin, pork, and then ribs. And, you know, my second meet, I'm prepping for ribs and I mean, prepping for pork or prepping ribs for my second meet and pork was the next turn in and I missed the window. And so after that, you know, it was December, KCBS starts at that time in January. So I decided I'd go just cook KCBS and kind of dial in and try to figure out what it took to win there. And 43 comps later, I did. 43 comps. There you go. Now, what are some of the um, bigger competitions that you've got on the, on the books this year? Uh, I know Memphis in May was, was last week, and I don't think uh, you were there uh, for that. 
At least I didn't see anything on Facebook. But any any other big ones that you're going to? Well, I cooked in January. I went to San Antonio and cooked the livestock rodeo out there, 298 teams, which wow. is the second largest cook-off in the country behind the American Royal. Finished in the top 2017th overall out there, and that's IBCA, which is chicken halves, seven ribs, and seven slices of brisket. Oh, wow. So, and, so um, they actually dictate the number of slices you have to have. Right. Interesting. Okay. And even, even on that, the ribs have to be parallel to the hinge in the box. Mm, so you, you have, interesting. So a little bit different. And the IBCA is the International Barbecue Cookers Association, correct? Correct. And they are, and for our listeners, that's the press pretty much the largest sanctioning body in Texas. Is that right? It is. Yeah. Because that's interesting. And, I, you know, obviously we don't have much IBCA around here. But it's something I wanted to get into as well as NBA. No, but there's a C, there's a CBA that's in the works coming. A CBA, okay, and that's something. What is that? Barbecue. What's the C stand for? Champions Barbecue Alliance out of Texas. It's a growing organization that started a year and a half ago when the IBCA kicked out a bunch of members, and they started a new organization out of Texas, and it's run by cooks instead of judges, and has a lot of great things but it's a four meat contest instead of a three meat interesting yeah that's something we chatted about i believe at the um boss cook off a little bit and that's the the championship barbecue alliance is that right correct championship barbecue alliance so hopefully they'll they'll have some contests around here you know in my area the augusta area unfortunately there's not a whole lot of contests around here we have the boss cook off and we have the um, banjo in october but that's about it so i'm trying to change that trying to get one more so we have three a year in this in this area so you cook san antonio i know you said there was almost 300 teams there are you cooking the royal this year do you know yet i haven't decided uh, we cooked Houston livestock in February, and that was 254 teams. Finaled in brisket out there and finished 17th overall. The Royal I cooked last year, had a ball doing it, but this year with the cost of fuel, it cost me $2,000 for that trip just in fuel. So I haven't made up my mind about that. I've been talking to some of the sponsors and that kind of thing, and it's in discussion, but we haven't finalized anything yet. Sure, sure, yeah, no doubt. And that's and the Royals in the summertime, isn't it? No, it's in October this year. Oh, Last year it was okay. in September. This year it'll be October 1st at Kansas City Speedway. What's your uh, favorite annual contest to cook? Do you have one? Mm, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, one of my favorites is Praise the Lord in Murfreesboro, Illinois in September. Praise it's the a Lord. M, it's a MBN KCBS duel. It was run by Mike Mills and Amy Mills from 17th Street Barbecue and Mr. Mike and Pat Burke. There's a lot of history there. Love to support their event. They make it, it's called the Apple City and they give away these hand-blown glass apples that are second to none. We were blessed to come away with two first place apples up by the last time we cooked it in 20. That's awesome. I love that. As we wind down the show, Carrie, I know that you you are on the road. And so I want to let you uh, get back going so you can get to wherever wherever that is in Sevierville, Tennessee. But as we wind down, you know, for, for the listeners that, that are taking this in, that are wanting to get into competitive barbecue, what words of wisdom do you have for them? I know you said earlier that, you know, just get in and do it. Uh, anything else that you can, you know, impart on them as we wind down? Yeah, find a meat source that you can source locally and have readily available and cook the same thing every time you cook. 
because you'll learn what it takes for that meat because every producer has a different feed program. So every meat reacts differently and how it's cooked. You know, I can pretty much tell you just from experience that if I'm cooking a Smithfield ET rib, I'm probably going to finish it. It's going to finish off somewhere around 204, 205, where a Prairie Fresh Prime might be 211, 212. Just because I know with my experience, but somebody learning doesn't know all that. So you find one brand that you can get consistently, doesn't matter what it is, and just learn to cook it and be good with it. You don't have to go out and spend all this money on high-dollar proteins to be able to place. That's awesome. That is that is gold right there. So find a local meat source, cook the same meat consistently, understand the meat, understand your cooker. Kerry, again, thanks for the time, sir. Uh, enjoyed it. Safe travels to Sevierville, and we'll be in touch soon. Oh, before we go, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my sponsors. Absolutely. Uh, right ahead. Atlanta Barbecue Store that keeps me in all my barbecue supplies, Rectech Grills, and Heath Riles Barbecue for sauces and rubs and injections. The Butcher Shop for keeping me in some of the most beautiful A9 briskets you have ever seen. The Sharpening Guy out of Florida that keeps all my knives wicked sharp. That's and right. this year I'm cooking Prairie Fresh Pork. So Prairie Fresh, that sharpening guy, Rectech, the Atlanta Barbecue Store. Who else am I missing? Heath Riles. That's right. So yeah, all those folks keep Carrie going. And definitely, um, you know, I, I I love Atlanta Barbecue Store myself. I get pretty much all of my stuff from them. So uh, again, Carrie, thanks and safe travels. Best of luck this weekend. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Barbecue for Newbies. Make sure you share this episode with a buddy who's looking to get into barbecue. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And while you're at it, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Talk to you next time.